Uh, we are beginning a new series today, a sermon series. It's entitled Education. And in this series, we're going to be speaking through a couple of topics about education. And today I want to talk about the real Sunday school. Look at your neighbor and say the real Sunday school. This is not the fake one, the one that uh, everybody thinks about. This is the real Sunday school. So I want to speak about the real Sunday school and let us see uh, from the perspective of that Sunday school and what it is uh, intended, where it originated from, and different topics as we look at this. And uh, I've got to get to one, my website now. I've lost my... Um, let's see, I'll get here. Here we go. So in knowing anything, I personally love history. I love studying history and digging into history, and it's kindly something that I've even become known as somebody that uh, uh, cherishes history. And sometimes that's a burden to bury or carry because People uh, will ask me questions, and I don't know all the answers. Has anybody ever asked you a question you didn't know the answer? You know what the best thing to do is? Say, I don't know. I'll get back with you on that. So that's the get-out-of-jail-free card. So anything that ever happens and somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, so kids, that might be good for you to use at school. If your teacher asks you a question you don't know the answer, say, I don't know, but I'll get back with you on that. So will that work, Sammy? Will that be okay? Maybe I'm giving them bad advice. I don't know, but it works for me. Hopefully it'll work for them. I don't know. I'll get back with you on that. And when you say that, actually get back with them. Actually go home and study and look up and try to figure out what's going on so that you can get back with them and give them the information they want. So in, in looking at that, I always uh, attended a seminar a few years ago of the biggest church in Kentucky. It's got 32,000 members. It's in Louisville, Kentucky, and the pastor of that church retired, and whenever he retired, he said, I don't want to retire to go away and live somewhere in a subtle community and just get away from people. God has called me still to reach people. So in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, there's a church down there on, on 64 as you're going down through town and you're heading east going into Louisville. You'll see a big major mega church over there on the right and it's seven stories tall, big old roof, $70 million facility. 32,000 people every weekend attend a service at that church. And they have two campuses other than the main campus. They've got one over in Indiana and another one in Louisville. And whenever I went there, it's you put your name in the hat as a preacher, and they're from all across America. You put your names in a hat to this pastor that retired from this church because he started a mentoring program. And in this program, he just... Everybody gets on a website, and you, you can put your name in the hat, and then they draw the names out of the hat, literally. And if you get chosen, then you get to come to a mentoring session with him. And it's full expenses paid. They pay for the motel, the stay, the food, the everything is paid. You're not out one penny in the trip. And several years ago, my name was drawn out of thousands of people. And it's kind of a humbling thing whenever you've got a megachurch pastor of 32,000 people calling you and say, how would you like to come and spend the weekend with me? 
And it's like I would be honored to. And literally, I didn't know what to expect because you see things on TV about Joe Osteen and these mega church pastors and the life they live and the exotic lifestyles that they live and all this. And, and I was thinking, you know, what, what should I expect? or what should? Because we try to think about those things. And driving down there, I didn't really know what to expect, but I was just going to allow God to, uh, apparently he called me to be in that time, in that season of my life to get mentored by this pastor. So I go in and spend the weekend, and he's an awesome man, and he actually literally takes us to his house. And I was expecting this big, huge mansion, right? And he takes us in his house, and literally his kitchen and his dining room table is in the same room, like yours and like mine. Some people's got a dining room separate from their kitchen, right? But it's not very likely. Real small, quaint little house right in the middle of town, and he drives a Toyota Camry, a real old Toyota Camry, and we follow him over to his house. And we sit down in his living room, and he talks to us about how that he attended this church in the beginning when he was called there, and just a few people had started planted this church, and he didn't really know where it would go, and within just a few years, he saw all this growth that God had allowed. And the reason I'm saying all this is to give you a picture of where I'm at today on education. Because as I was sitting at a table and they took us to, I think it was a restaurant, what's the expensive steakhouse in Louisville? Huh? No. Is it Jeff Ruby's or something like that? Is that it? It's kind of on top floor of this, hotel, or this building and it's like on the top floor and you can see like all over Louisville. This, and the steaks are like $90. Chris, Ruth Chris, okay, Ruth Chris, up on his top thing. Well, you've been there, Adrian. You, what kind of life are you living, kid? Come on. See, Nana, what that money you're giving her, what it goes towards. I, I'd never been there until this event, so they took me over there. And literally, I was sitting up on that, up on that uh, thing, and you have to wear fancy shirts to even be in there. And This is not my way of life. It's not normal for me. And I was sitting there, and... This couple, they have couples in the church that come over to help set with people to kind of let you ask questions and bounce questions off of board members and different people like that. And I was sitting in that seat, and this lady was sitting beside of me, and super humble, super nice. You could tell that she was super successful in life. And, and I began to sit there and talk to her, and I was explaining to her where Lewis County is. And just a little river community County on the river, a little bit east of Maysville. And I began to tell her about my childhood and how I grew up, and we didn't have a lot. I mean, we didn't go without, but we didn't have a lot. And I began to tell her about my grandmother and how I looked to my grandmother, Shirley, because of her education and eighth-grade education that she had, but she used it to ability to be able to get more understanding than most people I knew. And I told her, I said, I really don't feel, uh, worthy to be sitting in this room with this level of pastors and preachers. And she looked over at me with Callie, my grandmother's way of looking, and she said, don't you ever say that again. It was a stern talking to. 
Has anybody ever got one of those? From your mom, from your grandma, from your aunt, from somebody. Don't you ever let me hear you say that again. And it sticks to me. Because often in life, as you gain momentum and you gain knowledge, you gain understanding, you gain wisdom, you feel inadequate when you get around people that's superior to you. Apparently, you all got a superiority complex or something. I'm the only one with an inferior complex. Maybe everybody in this room, that was a good place for an amen. So how many feels inferior when you're around somebody that you feel like is superior to you? It's like, I don't even feel like speaking up, and I want to hide in the corner and let them do all the talking, and I'm not going to say much. When you get around those type of people, it's easy just to back up and let them lead the show because you feel like that you are in a position that you can't really say anything or add value to anything going on because I don't have the education they have. I don't have the experiences they have. I don't have the money they have. I don't have the resources they have. But guess what? If you've got God, you've got enough. Amen. If God says in his word that he will set you before kings, if that's what he wants to do, you better be well equipped just to go in with the presence of God in your life and know I'm sitting here not on my behalf, not on behalf of Lewis County, but I'm sitting here on behalf of God and God himself. And I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about boldness. And if there's one thing that I think is lacking in Lewis County, it is boldness. It's boldness for us to sit on the same pew with people with a lot more than us and say that if God sets me here, then this is where I'll be. If God places me in this circumstance or in this situation, then this is where I will exist. Sunday school. And the pastor down there at that church, he led up the teaching pastor, Kyle Alderman, he let him talk to us for about an hour, and he talked to us about how to write sermons. And I've been through a lot of lessons on how to t preach a sermon, how to write a sermon, how to perform a sermon, how to do all this stuff. But this guy had a total different approach because he, people were dumbfounded about him because he was in his 30s and he used zero notes. And 32,000 people... Every weekend, show up to hear this young man talk on a stage with zero notes. And he taught us a lesson on how to preach without notes. It's like, uh, I better have me some notes. I got to have something to get back on the track with because I'll get on all kinds of bunny trails. But he taught this lesson, and he taught us how to take the Word of God in the Scripture that we're using, historicalize it, so put it in context of who's speaking, where are they speaking, why are they speaking, how are they speaking. Or if you teach on a subject like Sunday school, go into it historically and see why historically do we even have Sunday school. Because I believe most people don't know history. And the more I'm around history and study history and learn about history, the more I talk to people, the more I find out, the less people know. Including myself. Amen? Historians are a unique, unique creature, and I, I love history. Literally, just last weekend, Ernie's brother, his older brother, handed me a book from Ernie's dad, Leslie's grandpa. And he's got handwritten notes in it 
on the front page about his experience in World War II and the people he saw that was one person away from Hitler. That's an experience. I love World War II history because my grandpa experienced it. Lewis Hyman Kirby, private from up there in Galapagos, Ohio. I love history. So the reason I'm telling you the history today of Sunday school is because I don't want you to go on not knowing. How many knows the history of Sunday school? There's some old saints in here. People have been saved a long time. How many's ever heard a sermon on the history of Sunday school? Not very likely. You know why? Because we're destined to repeat in our future the same plight that people in the past have if we don't learn from history. And I believe that the enemy of our souls don't want us to know history so that we stay in the position we're in. I want to tell you today about the history of Sunday school so that we as a society and we as a county do not have to re-experience the things that have been experienced in times past. And I believe this is a thing that God wants us to know. So as a church, we're going to learn the history of Sunday school. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to know. See the songwriter say, I want to know if you've ever seen the rain. I want to know if you know the history of Sunday school. So there's a couple of verses that I want us to, to just listen to this. This is a verse that I've heard a lot in my life. It's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Get wisdom. And then it goes on to say this, though. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Think about Solomon writing this and coining this, saying wisdom is the principal thing. We've got to have some wisdom. Amen? I've got to have some wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom, I, from my life that I've lived up to this point, God kind of coined this term with me one time that I've always said it this way. Wisdom is knowledge applied. I say that over and over and over again. If you've been in this church very long at all, you've heard me say that multiple, multiple times. Wisdom is knowledge applied. You can't have wisdom without having knowledge. So you got to get knowledge. It's like somebody that goes to college and gets a certificate or a diploma or some kind of degree. They've got the knowledge of it, an issue or a topic, but they don't have the wisdom of it, of how to apply it. So once they come out of college and get on a job, now they can get in a job where that's actually in action, and that wisdom can come because the knowledge is being applied to something. Amen? So, I want us to have that type of wisdom. That God gives us an education. That we learn about Sunday school. 
but that we also, that we would have wisdom to apply the information we're going to receive today. Because it's not just enough to have the diploma. Amen? There's a lot of people with diplomas that do not use them or use them in the area of their expertise or what they was taught. They go on and it says, well, you got a bachelor's. You can apply for this job. It doesn't matter if it's in liberal arts or whatever. You can come over because you got a bachelor's. They don't apply what they learned. Education is meant to cause you to have success in life. Wisdom is a principal thing. i got to have it. I want to know it. And, and the Bible says in James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to men liberally and upbraideth not. If you lack wisdom in this house today, if you're sitting here saying, I've been through enough sermons, I've been through enough Sunday school lessons, I've been through enough teachings, and I haven't applied anything yet, I need some wisdom, God. Give it to me, and guess what? If you ask, you'll receive. He wants you to perform in the streets what we hear about in the pews. I want Bethesda to be a church as a church of action. I love it when the youth group goes and does youth group live. Youth group can sit on the padded pews down here in the basement and put on the nice uh, pallets and lights and tell stories and make up raps last weekend. and They can do all that. But it's a whole different world when you come out of that basement and come out of your shell and come out into an everyday life environment down in a, in a, in a place where the people don't think they're capable or don't think anybody cares about them or don't think anybody loves them or, or thinks the churches are just somewhere down the street that all the snooty people go. But guess what? When the church comes in to that complex and says, We love you. Here's a hot dog in the name of Jesus. That's wisdom. Our youth group is smarter than us adults. They apply what they learn. And I thank God for Dusty and Albie that does that. But then it goes on to say this in that verse. Proverbs 4, 7. And with all thy getting, get understanding. How many tired of nonsense? Come on somebody. Tired of some nonsense in your life? Maybe it's not coming from other people. Maybe it's coming from yourself. I don't know. Amen. I'm tired of my nonsense. Amen. Tired of their nonsense. Amen. Just spread it all around. It's like butter. Put it on a piece of toast. Just spread it everywhere. Get it all over it. Amen. There's enough nonsense to go around. I'm tired of nonsense. I want some common sense. They say that common sense isn't all that common anymore. That's what understanding is. Understanding is where the rubber meets the road. When I understand something, Pap, I know how it works. I witnessed my brother all my life tear up every toy we ever had. Tear it in 50,000 pieces trying to figure out if it'd work, why it worked that way. A real wise old man told me he, just a few years ago, he's 98 years old, he said, a guy that knows how will be the leader in the crew, but the guy that knows why will own the company. And it's true. And I tell the apprentices at work this all the time. I say, I want to be the why guy. And it, just because of my mind operating what it does, and everybody calls me a weirdo, they say, why do you even think like that? I say, I don't know. 
It's just the way my brain works. It's the way the wheels work inside of this brain. I don't understand it. I can't be around anything that I don't dig into it and find the history and find the why and find who invented it and what was they thinking and what was it going to be applied to. And the next thing you know, I begin to get some understanding and then I'm able to do something with it. But I'm not really all that talented with my hands. I can do some things, but my brother's ten times a better welder than I am. But I know more about the why of welding. So we're not all equipped the same way. Amen? Amen? We've all got our separate calling according to God to do what God's called us to do. Yeah. I'm getting amens from everywhere. I love it. So get you some understanding. I want us today to have wisdom. I want us to have knowledge. And I want us to have understanding. That verse helps me to see what God wants for our society. So I'm speaking today and saying, I believe with all of my heart that God wants Lewis County to be a showcase of wisdom. Come on, somebody. How many believes our kids can do great things? That they can go beyond what our generation did? We all brag about what Thomas Massey has done and always got all these inventions. He was just a poor kid up a hall or somewhere that ended up doing something that nobody else did and he got a few inventions under his belt. But guess what? There's some smarter people in our school today that's got more resources behind them that can go even farther. Come on, somebody. We need to believe in the next generation and spur them along. And I believe what wisdom is for us and our generation is encouraging people like this little man sitting on the front row. You don't know the capability in that mind. Amen, Dusty? He's scary to be around because he outthinks me. I love you, but don't ever doubt what God's called you to do. Don't ever back up and say, I'm not good enough because of where I'm from. Go with God's speed and do what God's called you to do, Josiah. I'm your number one cheerleader. And I'll bet you're back yelling, go, man, go. And that's what he needs from you, too. And it's not just him. We got a little queen diva right here in the front row, too, with us. She wears her bow a lot better than I would mine. Encourage them. Be a generation of gray hair and blue hairs and no hairs that says, yes, you can. Don't tell them you're from Lewis County. Just sit on the back row and always take the back seat and don't ever go forward and don't ever step up. Encourage them to go and do the great things God has called them to do. As a society, can you imagine a culture of a county that would empower the next generation to do what God's called them to do and not stand back and don't operate in fear and don't live a life in fear but encourage them with faith and say, with God it's possible. Proverbs 14, 31 says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Psalms 9, 17, 18 says, Because the poor are plundered and the needy grown, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. What do you think? What are you going to do with it? 
What do we need to know about Sunday school? In the late 1700s, a guy named Robert Rakes and Thomas Stock first established Sunday school. And this is just a, a short version of everything I could read and try to figure out and understand. This is the shortest version I could find, but one place said that uh, Mr. Rakes went out into community one time and it was a real poor part of the neighborhood in a town in England. And as he walked through town, he heard the little poor kids cussing each other. Little bitty kids. And he didn't look on them with disdain. And he didn't look on them with, I'm better than you. He looked on them with pity. And he looked on them to say, is this really what God wants? And you need to think in historical context that at this time, this is just a few years as the process of the revolution of America is pulling American continental states out of Great Britain. So this guy walking around on the streets over in Britain during this very same time. God says he hears when the people groan and the poor groan. He hears and he will arise. In Psalms, we just read it, right? So whenever there's a continent that's being oppressed by a dictator or by a leader, by a class of society that tells them, guess what, I'm going to take my tea and I'm going to throw it in the ocean and I'm going to begin to cry out to God. And guess what? God hears our voice. When the poor cry out to God, the rich better look for a rock to crawl under. Amen? Uh-oh. Getting on turbulent. What she sees here, Betty, I'm going I'm to get thrown off. It's rocky world here. I'm not anti-rich. God gave David all the resources needed to build an empire in the middle of the Middle East. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. The Bible says that God will give you the power to get wealth. I'm not anti-wealth. I'm anti people holding back wealth for themselves when others are in despair. It's biblical. I'm not a freeloader. I believe we should work. The Bible tells you, if you don't work, what? You don't eat. Amen. I'm not talking about anti-work. I'm talking about a part of society. These two guys, they're walking through that town, and they started this thing called Sunday School, and it was for the poor and orphaned in Gloucester. That's the best I can say it. Although there were earlier Sunday schools, rakes and stock have become the recognized originators. Their efforts led clergy and lay people to establish similar schools throughout England, thus setting in motion the Sunday school movement. By 1800, 200,000 children were enrolled in English Sunday schools. And by 1850, the number had risen to 2 million. So think about this. Sunday school, why is it? 
because two guys had this dream as they walked through the street and seen poor kids. And the, the plot was that poor kids weren't allowed to go to school because they were working in these factories and working in these fields and working in these sectors where the, these rich people were employing kids. Can you imagine? Greg knows. He grew up in a part of the Kentucky, down in eastern Kentucky, where that five-year-old kids literally threw rock out of coal piles and lived in a company store and shopped at a company a store and had a company church that they attended. It's what was going on in England. These two guys walked through town on a Sunday as they was going through with their nice suits and walking through this part of town and they was heading towards their church service and all of a sudden they looked over and they said, well, there's some other group of people other than us. Should these little poor kids be cussing each other out and not knowing any different? And they went to their church service that morning. And I just play this out in my mind how this worked. And I'm sure they probably walked up to their pastor and said, or their clergyman and said, hey, these poor kids are out there cussing each other out. Anybody in this room ever cussed each other out? No, no not none of us. We're saints in here. Yeah, we, yeah we're all good. Yeah, not us. Never. Yeah. And he, he had this... A holy anguish built up inside him to say, there's something wrong with this. And he decided, hey, what if they're off on Sunday and their boss lets them off, he works them all week, and what if I just allow these kids and set up this program where the poor kids can come into church and I set up because we've already got a building. Look at this building. What all could we do in our communities with these buildings we have in our county? They set vacant. All week long, from Monday to Sunday, waiting on Sunday morning crowd to get in here. It's kind of sad, really, that people come up all the time and say, Well, in Lewis County, i got to go to Maysville to have a birthday party. Amen? Ain't nowhere you can. The only place in town, you can go to the fire department down at Vanceburg. Black Oak, you can go there and rent a room. For how much? Fifty bucks for the one in Vanceburg. How much is hundred for Black Oak? There's nothing tickles me more than when families ask, "Can we use the church for a birthday party? Can we have the church for a wedding?" Why? Because it's what it's for. Is this a holy place? Absolutely. Do you think this place? They, I seen a church sign the other day that said this, this church building is prayer conditioned. Making fun of air conditioned. I believe this place is prayer conditioned. I know the prayers of the saints that go on all week long leading up to what happens in here on Sundays. These two men did something rather than nothing. They had knowledge that God showed them and they had wisdom to apply what they saw. Amen? So think about this. Two million people within 50 years, two million poor kids received an education and learned how to read English because two men did something. What could a church, and everybody at Bethesda is not here today. There are several people, if you look around, you know somebody that's not here today. They're maybe out doing something else, got something else going on, other things, and, and we as a church, 
If two people could do that, if we would just pray and ask God to give us insight and let us have knowledge and let us have wisdom, what in the world could this church accomplish? Think about it. The lady that started this church, Gartha Swerigen, she moved to northern Ohio at a young age, her and Tom, and a lady in a church up there encouraged her and said, because you grew up a share farmer in Lewis County, doesn't mean you have to die a sharecropper from Lewis County. And this little old lady sitting in a church in Ohio, looks over at this little girl that's renting a house over next to her. Gartha didn't even know how to clean the house, she told me. She had no idea even how to take care of a house. And this little old lady comes over and says, Honey, let me put you under my wing. Let me encourage you. Oh, you don't have an education? Oh, you mean you live in a society where that you have to have a high school diploma to get a job? She said, Let me help you get a GED. And this little old lady in this church up in northern Ohio takes this little sharecropper girl that grew up in a one-room house in Lewis County, Kentucky, and she helps her get a GED. And this little old lady gets her and just shows her how to keep house and do all this stuff and tells her, do you think there's more? Because like, I don't know. I'm just a sharecropper from Lewis County. No, you're not. What do you want to do? What's your dreams? I'd love to be a nurse. This woman takes her over to the community college and enrolls her in a nursing program. And next thing you know, Gartha Swergen gets through, gets her RN. Her and Tom gets laid off from his job up there, ends up back in Lewis County. She goes up to SOMC, gets on there. Next thing you know, the uh, what do they call them, the administrators at the hospital come over and they see this quality in this young nurse and they tell her, say, we think you can do something great and we need this women's center set up and we're going to put you in charge of it. You're going to be the women administrator at this hospital to be over these women issues in our hospital and we're going to allow you to be in charge of it and you're going to be the administrator. And they paid her mega bucks. Everybody say, that sounds like success. All because of one little church lady that said, I'll do something rather than nothing. Gartha gets going through that, gets the whole program sets up. Next thing you know, that's just all going and all rolling and everything's re going really well. And, and, and you, you got another little woman in Lewis County down here that's a pastor in a church. And a lot of people don't believe in women pastors. I do. Uh, Assemblies of God does. I believe that it's, it's of God. And there's this other little woman in Lewis County that's down here trying to plant a church and pastor a church and keep a church. And she just gets on her knees one day and she's praying. And God tells her, go up to SOMC. I want you to walk through the doors. And I need you to see this little woman, a swerging woman, and you need to go talk to her and tell her about what God's calling her to do and be bold and be brave and be like a roaring lion and come out of your shell and do what God's called you to do. And this little woman, Sister Wilma, goes up, don't even know her, walks in the hospital, tells Gartha, do what God's called you to do. You know what it is. Gartha quits that job paying mega bucks and goes to Bible college for two years in her 50s. 
the person she was staying in Bible college with in her dorm with was 18 years old. Got any 50-year-olds in, in here want to get cooped up in a little 10 by 10 cell with an 18-year-old? No thanks. Amen. So it's not about how old you are or how young you are. It's about what are you doing for God when he calls you to do it. So Gartha goes up there, and her husband and cherishes her. Tom loves Gartha. With, and just, he was impeccable in his love for Gartha. He washed her car. He fixed her lunch. He, Mom, you've seen it. You and Betty seen it firsthand how Tom loved Gartha. He encouraged her. And as she did this, she had no idea that she was coming back. And when she went through Bible school, there was somebody up there who told her when she got to telling her story that she grew up a sharecropper that didn't even have a GED and took that through that journey of life and said, why are you not going back and helping fix what you know is wrong? We got a 45-minute video, we're not going to play it today, of Gartha telling the story of how that all went down. I wanted to put it on tape. Why? Because history will be lost. And Gartha, the reason she planted this church, the 100% reason she planted Bethesda Church is for us to be a group of people that encourages others to do what God's called them to do, help them to get GEDs. Amen? A work-ready community, to get that certificate, you have to have a certain level of people that's got high school diploma and college education. And Lewis County is telling way behind. Sunday school. Two guys, the history of it. They wanted to do something rather than nothing. And Sunday school was started as a way and means of teaching little fellers to read and write rather than work for a living in a coal mine or in a sweatshop. And I just wonder, are we helping fulfill our mission that God has mandated us as a church? How encouraging are we to the next generation? How much are we willing to open up who we are and what we have experienced to make sure that Ryan's don't have to. His mom's never known no pain. She just had the, you know, the perfect life and never experienced anything bad or anything like that. It's all just been hunky-dory and just great and, you know. He's a hoodlum. Just last weekend I had a birthday party or two weeks ago down here in the basement, about two weeks ago, week and a half, something. And to see a white rig pull around back and him come out the back door of the church and gets captured on a picture. I love the picture. Where that Amy is standing there staring up at him. 
because you don't want to forget the look on his face. Because you two don't care about your dreams as much as you do those three little ones. And as a church, I want everybody in this room to become concerned about our society and say, I want to make a difference. There are not accidents. Corey, Corey, you raised your kid to be just like you, man. Come on. You're stealing that offering plate. <laughs> awesome. Don't get any better than that. We've got four weeks to do this, and we're going to do it. Love you, baby. Yeah. What will she be able to do? Who knows? But we need to resource her to do it. Amen. Won't you stand? You see, the church has made Sunday school into something where we train Christians how to be Christians. And that's one thing I do not want us to become as a church, is a church full of Christianese Christians. I want you to be emboldened to be who God's called you to be. We're not all the same. We're not all identical. All of our callings are not the same. But we're all called by the same God. Whatever you do, Don't leave this world at the end of your journey saying, I wish I would have. Don't leave this world saying, I wish I would have. If you're waiting on a time to act, the time is now. The place is here. And I believe God is going to call us into great things by learning history. Because I'm sick of pain. I'm sick of suffering. And I'm sick of Lewis County being poor. Can anybody say amen? amen? How many believes God can bring jobs here? How many will pray with me and agree with me right now and saying, God, we know you can do the impossible. And I'm sick of seeing Lewis Countyans drive to the surrounding counties to get employment that's meaningful. I'm ready for it to happen here. Amen? Sunday school for us now empower a generation to do things they didn't think was possible. If you bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around.
just want to ask you in this place today, is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, I've been living life and I've been worrying too much about myself and I haven't looked around the way that this dear brother did in England 200 years ago to see the plight of others. And you're saying today, God, open my eyes so that I can see. So that I can help do. You want to be a change agent. And you need God to open your eyes. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to do more than I'm doing now. Amen. Raise your hand high. Anybody here? I want to do more than I'm doing now. God, help me to see those that are hurting. And use me. Use me. I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my faults, for my failures, for my shortcomings. Help me to see our county the way you see our county. Help me to be an answer and not a problem. I believe you can do these things. In Jesus' name, amen.